Hello, and welcome to Work Inspired. On this podcast, we've had the privilege of interviewing some of the world's most successful leaders in a wide variety of roles and industries. On today's episode, you're going to hear from the co-founder of a company called Pluto, which you're probably not familiar with. But let me assure you, you're in for a real treat. I couldn't be more excited to introduce you to Shayna Opperman, one of the most impressive people I've ever had the chance to interview. Her story, experience, and success so far is remarkable. I know you'll be inspired today, and you're going to learn a lot from what Shayna has to say. So let's get this episode started. Shayna, thank you so much for being on our show. I have been so excited to have this conversation since we had our planning call because I think your story is so uh, inspirational and and you're younger than most guests that we have on the show. And I think that that's, you know, uh, in and of itself, the fact that you've had this kind of success and you've taken some of these risks and started a company at your age. I just I, I, I can't wait to talk with you. So thanks oh. for being here. Well, thank you so much. That was a really kind opening, but thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to have this conversation together. So usually we start by having the guest kind of start from their beginning and tell their their professional story. I was thinking, though, for this conversation, because people might not be familiar with Pluto, given its, you know, its startup nature. uh, Tell me a little bit about your company and what you do, and then we'll work backwards from there. Sure, absolutely. So I founded Pluto out of my MIT research, um, and the goal was to really revive true human connection. And today we focus on humanizing how brands uh, interact with their customers. Uh, but I actually started the business as a B2C offering, uh, and how do you deepen and sustain relationships with your friends and family remotely? When we applied those learnings to businesses and how can they create these meaningful, thoughtful interactions with the their fans, we realize that that turns our fans into champions and creates a much more authentic relationship. Uh, so we do, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, how, how do you do that? I think you're yeah, about, about to say to, it. I, you read my mind, I was about to say, we do everything over text. Uh, we create what I like to call these light touch participatory moments. So. Uh, it's not just text marketing that you might be familiar with, which is, you know, donate here or a blast or, a, you know, a link, but it's actually designed to be a two-way conversation. So drink recipes, surveys, um, you know, which flavor uh, should we do for our next sour beer, polls, things like that, uh, to create this actual drumbeat of um, connection and, and just respect and fun. Mm. So, uh, so and we're, we're, we'll talk more about your product uh, later on, but are, are these texts using artificial intelligence, which I think is, you know, obviously something that people are very interested in about maybe a, maybe an equal, equal amount interested and equal amount concerned. Uh, but uh, are these are these interactions happening with customers that brands already have to maintain a relationship and to get to know them better? Or are they more like cold marketing, you know, to try to generate new business? No, it's very much around retaining the folks that already have a relationship with the brand. So essentially Mm -hmm. with loyalists who love them and how do they deepen and continue that relationship. Um, And it is a mixture. So we use AI and natural language processing to help generate a conversation starter. So with novel ideas of how to announce news or an activity template that you could do to help, um, you know, uh, engage a segment of your of your group and bring a little delight to their day. Um, or tell them about a promotion in a unique way that makes them feel, you know, part shared ownership in your brand. Uh, that's, that's what we're specializing in. And then hum- the humans in the loop on the back end can always jump in and have that continued conversation with their customers. But the AI and the natural language processing helps to facilitate or spark those conversation moments. That's awesome. 
Yeah, and I definitely want to talk more about uh, the human component to it, and 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 also the kind of the the genesis of it. Thinking yeah. you were going to create something that was really the B 2 C or the you know the person to person interaction as opposed to the brand to person interaction. So uh, very cool. Let's let's go back in time though, and okay. let's 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 start with the beginning with kind of where where you started. Uh, tell yeah. me about kind of uh, your education background. Yeah. So I got my MBA from MIT and I was also doing a master's of software engineering at MIT, although I left uh, to focus on Pluto full time. So I guess I'm both an MIT grad and an MIT dropout. Uh, While I was at MIT, I was also doing research in the MIT Media Lab, uh, focusing on tech's impact on human connection and what forms true sense of belonging, which is what Pluto has its roots in, as I mentioned. Um, A bit, though, uh, before that, actually, I uh, did my, I started at Cornell and then transferred. Uh, I went to community college and then I went to the University of Texas at Austin. I've got to say, I've done all tiers of our upper educational system. Uh, community college, though, really sticks out as one of the best experiences I ever had educationally, which we can talk a little bit more. Just everybody wanted to be there for the sake of learning. It was a really rich environment. Um, and before, uh, I guess a little bit professionally, before I went to grad school at MIT, I was a technical and creative producer at Google on this experimental team, just focusing on how brands can tell stories with data. Uh, I was ex- fortunate to get to work across New York, Mountain View, Paris. Uh, it was really it was a really great experience. Um, before that, I started in uh, consumer marketing and advertising at an agency called Saatchi & Saatchi. Do you know it? In New York? It's a... Uh, yeah, they uh, and I did produce the digital ads for General Mills for a while, and so got to learn a lot about um, consumer behavior and Saatchi's love mark philosophy of brands as part of an identity. Um, should I tell? I guess a little bit before that, I, I grew up in California in Santa Cruz in a recording studio in the redwoods. Um, drop a lot of '60s, '70s, '80s music references. Um, and part of my story, I, I guess I'll share, is why I'm interested in the space at all. Uh, when I was 14, I spent a year in and out of a wheelchair and um, I uh, played soccer competitively and got this uh, massive uh, head injury. And it wasn't just the head injury, it was when the, the ball hit my head, compressed my spine, pinched a nerve and I lost all feeling on my left side and I'm left-handed. Um, have you ever had a major injury before actually? <laughs> I have had and had have had a head injury, so I not to the, to the uh, significance of yours, but I, I can definitely understand how that could could be a turning point in your in your in your life. And I'm I'm interested to know what you were 14. I think you had told me when that happened. Yeah. That, yeah. How, how did that. So that impacted what you're doing today. It did, because um, through that year when I was home recovering, uh, essentially it was two things formed. One, I had to relearn basic things like a half plus a half. I'd always identified as being really good at math, so it just shook my core sense of self and identity. So from that, I took away this line in my journal that um, I think you are what you know and you know what you remember. So it was this interest in how do you preserve, recall information and the timing of it, which we apply even now with our brands about when you're forming a relationship, what you're sending, when and how. Um, And then on the other side was, uh, I mean, I was 14, but I was away from all my friends and my relationships uh, largely frayed. Um, And from that, it took away that your relationships are largely based on shared context, shared experience and maintaining that over time and space. Um, so one of our investors likes to say, I should tell people I know what I'm doing because since that happened, I've lived in four countries, four states. I've never had personal social media other than LinkedIn, but I've still been a maid of honor eight times. So you can still maintain relationships over text. That's awesome. Well, so there's a lot, a lot to dive into here. Um, 
let's start with 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 the education and and your comment about how the community college was one of the best experiences you had uh, through your education um, setting. But you've yeah. been to some really great schools and you've had I mean, you, you've gone to some really sought through some sought after programs. Uh, why why the community college being most memorable and maybe most beneficial to you? Yeah. And, and I have cherished every educational experience I've had has been um, really rewarding, even Cornell before I left. But um, community college, what was interesting about that is you had such an, like a mixture of different mindsets and age groups and life stages where there was mm. a woman in her late 50s after she'd had children coming back to school for the first time. You had an 18 year old car mechanic trying to work his way through. You had just a mixture of different minds and perspectives all in the same room, um, all there because they wanted to be really. Mm. Um, there wasn't a legacy. There wasn't a reason. It was just they wanted to be there for the sake of learning to better themselves. And they were really I've never seen a group be so thorough on doing their homework and then talking about it and engaging. And so the conversations there um, were just some of the most enriching of my of my educational career. That's very cool. And then when you moved into the ad agency world, what was there? Because I think what I'm trying to piece together here is is for people listening that want to try to emulate some of the success that you've had and the direction that you've taken, it seems like you've gotten a lot of experience and a very well-rounded experience in different industries, different education types, you know, different locations around the world. Uh, what were some of the things that you were able to kind of take from the ad agency and your experience there and apply to what you're doing today? Oh, wow. That's an interesting. Yeah. Well, I'd say part of it actually, uh, maybe it's a thread from the ad agency or wherever, but it was just um, just show up, ask, hustle, be proactive um, was something that really stuck with me. Uh, actually, just I should maybe mention that I didn't have any connections to the industries or schools that I, I attended. Uh, I remember in college when I was trying to figure out what to do before I even went to the ad agency world, um, I found I would go on LinkedIn or go on the Internet and find people in uh like that I just thought sounded interesting. And I'd cold email or cold message and say, I would like to be you one day, I think, and then ask if they'd talk with me. Um, and that helped me understand a little bit about what's uh, production, what's project management, what's digital ads, what's market. I started learning about these different fields, what software development. Um, so that- Did that, that work? Was, you just guessed people's actual, email addresses? <laughs> it did. People were incredibly generous with their time. It's just being able to, um, they were responsive and you just show up and even- Actually, with um, my ad agency days also, I just I remember being on a family trip in L.A. We drove past an agency I'd read about in school and I just had my mom pull over and I walked in and just talked to them and ended up getting a meeting um, and an interview. And then and when that just sometimes you show up places and hustle, I think, is something that I've loved by all my jobs. Actually, I've just made up emails. Usually 14 will get denied and come back. One will go through and then say, um, you know, I, I love what you're doing. Here's why I think we'd be a fit. Let's talk. It's just, I think, um, just being really proactive, not being afraid to ask what you, what, um, what you want and then going for it. That's very cool. Um, you worked for Google. Tell me a little bit about the team that you were part of, because not only, I mean, Google's a yeah. sought after company, very hard to get into company, but the program that you were part of sounds like an incredible piece of that company as well. So tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, the team that I was part of is really special. It's called Art Copy and Code. And it was sort of a, an experimental team that was trying to, as I mentioned, sort of reimagine the future of digital advertising, how brands can tell stories with data. And we do these experiments. And it was a team sort of without a home. We sat between engineering and, and marketing and product 
and design. And the way that we ran things, why it was called Art Copy and Code, is you would always have um, an engineer, a designer, sort of a hustler, also these different minds um, together from the ground floor creating something and just very agile, iterative things. We made all kinds of stuff like talking shoes to um, like to, I could tell you some of different examples, but um, it was really fun. And it was interesting to see that way of working where it's not siloed, you know, you do this, I do that, but how do you actually bring everybody together and bring different perspectives uh, to solve a problem at the same time? Uh, So that, yeah, that mindset I took away and even how we run Pluto now today as well. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you about is, is obviously Google's kind of known for having an, a culture of innovation and entrepreneurship. Did you kind of gain confidence while you're part of that experimental group that said, you know what, I can, I can run my own company. I can take this leap and I can start something new. Yeah. I think, uh, I'd say that that's, that confidence was instilled sort of along the way with a lot of just mentors and champions and people I've looked up to along the way, believing in me and giving me chances. Um, that started just, Throughout my uh, professional career, people just taking a chance of giving me me work and letting me either fail or succeed um, to give me that confidence. But at Google, yes, it was it was sort of a startup within Google. I mean, of course, you have the resource net of Google, so it's a little different than a, a startup from scratch. Um, but I was employee number four on that team. We grew it to twenty five across the across the country. Um, so it definitely gave me a taste for how do you uh, rapidly iterate, prototype. How do you bring different mindsets together to build something from the ground up from, you know, wacky novel idea on a sticky note to an actual real real thing that people are using, you know, millions of people are touching. Uh, So that did give me confidence to see that process and to lead the production of that. Uh, So certainly, certainly there. Sure. You, You talked about how when you had that that head injury, you realized in that year that some of your relationships, because you weren't sharing experiences with them, kind of frayed and maybe became more distant. Um, as you have gone through all these different experiences leading up till now, and you've met all these, I'm assuming very influential people, you've put together a great network. Have there been certain things that you've done to kind of make sure that you're, uh, what's the, you know, uh, cultivating or making sure that that network stays strong, I guess some somewhat similar to what your product does, but has, has that been important in your success is making sure that those relationships stay um, very relevant and strong. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. So one thing is, um, in in anything, whether it's a professional network or a personal relationship, um, to me, uh, maintaining a relationship is being thoughtful about the things that matter to others. Mm. Um, and so not just reaching out when you need something, but you're constantly trying to be value additive to their life along the way too. It's a give and take. That's also Pluto. Every time you reach out, it's it's a you're being respectful of your place and taking someone's attention and time. That's an honor. So I do that along the way where whether it's, I don't know, a silly movie quote that makes me think of someone and send it their way um, to, uh, you know, just involving feedback along the way as well. But I do a lot of touch points. I've done some uh, just trying to pay attention to, I know that things will give others like a kick or a smile. Uh, one of my mentors really likes the Beatles and likes fishing. I came across a picture of the Beatles fishing, so sent it to him and that may, helped us maintain our conversation. And he's the CEO of a major uh, international company. So it's just helpful to have those touch points when you don't need something, you're just genuinely trying to build a relationship because that's what this life is all about. Sure. You've mentioned mentors a couple of times. Has that been a, a significant um, kind of component of your success? Have you gone out and actively asked people to mentor you? Yes, yes, absolutely. Some I was really fortunate early on, um, almost 
like came to me and in like an informal way of people just being willing to teach things to me. Um, I remember it, when I was in my first internship in advertising and this man was like, I think you have a knack for project management, which I didn't even know what that was. And he's like, if you, you know, over lunch, I could teach you a little bit more about this. And that actually ended up becoming my first then career job out of, out of school. And so I, and I view him as like a first mentor of just being willing to take a chance and, and help me grow. But since then, even when I moved to Boston, I didn't have a network here. When I moved to Texas, I didn't have a, a network there. Uh, so I just cultivated it. I would reach out to people kind of similar to what I did when I was trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up and, uh, you know, reach out and say like, Hey, you've founded three businesses here. I'm a budding entrepreneur. I'd love to learn from your mistakes and what I, you find compelling and concerning about what I'm doing. Would you like to meet? And I, I've had some of those have been with me for now, you know, five years. So it's just, uh, I just, again, you kind of reach out, ask, um, I've pulled emailed the CEO of Pinterest and he took a meeting with me. So you just need to, um, yeah, reach out, ask, and then also provide value though, back to them. It's their time too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a very important note in this is like, you are obviously a sponge for, you know, knowledge and information and you're very proactive. You're almost like what we encourage our MBD salespeople to be, you know, like go out and just walk in the building, you know, guess the emails. But at the same time, you're also thinking about how can I be valuable to them? Because they're they're if they're asking if I'm asking for their time and their knowledge, how can I give something back? I think that that's really, really important. Now, you had mentioned that you aren't on social media except for LinkedIn, you know, the B2B network. But but you are your your technology and your business is very digital and technology focused. So. Explain that to me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Uh, when I was in middle school and high school and, and, you know, social media was really starting to bloom, I remember trying to fill out the profile. And at the time it was, you know, what's your favorite books? What are your favorite movies? And I remember writing like epistle answers to each one. And a friend of mine was like, you can't, you can't post that. No one's going to read that. Just pick like two books or two movies or two songs. And I just remember being like, but that's not me. That's not the full mm-hmm. me. And so I had a hard time, uh, what I felt was sort of curating one image, maybe. I think you can be, I think social media can be a wonderful tool for broadcasting and staying in touch with others at that kind of level. But for me, that one-to-one connection of when I'm sending someone a picture of, you know, the Beatles fishing, that's a one-to-one connection thinking of you. I'm not broadcasting that to anybody else to see. And that's just the way that I I maintain my relationships. Uh, So for me, text has always been a better medium and social media, I think for businesses can be great as a outward positioning and, you know, sort of broadcast acquisition of of folks into your universe, but to actually retain and sustain loyalists and people who already love you, to me, that's a one-to-one connection that you want to foster in a different medium. So that's very interesting because let's now take that to what you're doing or what you initially set out to do with Pluto, which was to have one-to-one interaction, but maybe one side of it was a robot, AI. I don't know what the better way to call it is, but so, so when you said, you know, I don't think that being on one of these major social networks is really me connecting well with others. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not a back and forth. It's kind of more of a, you know, I'm posting out my profile or sharing a photo. There's some engagement obviously, but I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, what were you thinking when you said, I, I'd, I'd like to do this with machine learning or AI? Yeah. Well, actually, to start, and I would recommend this to anybody, if, like before you lay down any code, do some hacky prototypes to, to figure things out. So, mm. for instance, with, with Pluto, when we're starting it as a way to follow through on thoughtfulness for friends and family, and we had this idea of this sort of social assistant helping you not just remember their birthdays, but, you know, it's 
I don't know, your sister had her breakup. It's her first weekend away. You might want to say hi and send the pump up song, those types of little helpful things. Um, to start with, I was the human chat bot to people where they would text in, you know, things they wanted to be reminded of. And then I'd set an, a calendar invite myself and then text them back. And it was interesting that the people who knew that it was a human on the other end versus mm-hmm. thought that it was anonymous bot spoke like 180 degrees differently. And interestingly, in something as uh, personal as those as your intimate relationships, uh, we got the feedback that having it be a anonymous, uh, like friendly sounding bot was more um, barrier breaking for vulnerability because mm. it was no one's judging that I need help caring for my husband. It was just something there. So we took the human out of the loop, made it a hundred percent natural language processing based. And now with the businesses sort of similarly, the, the beauty of it is it can help uh, bubble up sort of like, as I mentioned before, novel ways of saying something that then that you as the brand manager can then edit and deploy. There can be a bot that says like a first line of, you know, helping people feel acknowledged immediately if they respond. Um, but then certainly can flag and a human can go in and continue that interaction, but it helps spark uh, that, that interaction in like a very low barrier way. Mm, it's really interesting. Are your, is your technology meant to replace the human on the side that's managing it or to kind of be a tool that makes, that enables them to communicate even better? Very much the latter, actually. We say all the time that we're building humane AI meant to amplify humanity, never replace it. And actually towards mm. that, we take it so seriously that our team has a once a month, uh, Pluto sci-fi night where we talk about what are the unintended consequences of what we're doing potentially. So something we never want to do is, you know, outsource thoughtfulness or outsource an authenticity, but rather than how do we amplify the wink and nod and scale the sense of welcome that this beloved bookshop has with their, their customers and help really um, just be a tool for them to be able to bring out their own um, uh, quirkiness, authenticity and an offerings in a, in a, just an easier, more fun way. Let's talk about that a little bit more, because as you as you map out the next 10 years and the future of your business and this technology, obviously yeah. there will be advancements. Right. And the idea of artificial intelligence is that it gets smarter and more effective and more efficient. So yeah. how do you balance that knowledge that that's where we're headed? And I'd actually be interested to know where you think we're headed and how quickly we're going to you know we're going to see this technology explode or maybe that's not the right word advance. Uh, yeah. Compliment, you know, combining that with what you just said about how we want to make sure that this doesn't replace a human, the, the, the humane aspect of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I really welcome this conversation. So there's it's, it's interesting, especially in like MarTech, uh, there's a lot of push towards, oh, we'll, you know, we'll uh, automate a lot of your messaging or automate the interactions. And I think that's just the wrong way to go where AI can do that. It can be a huge, give you a lot of data to act from. But actually what I think it should do is not ever replace interaction, but just help make it even more human um, mm-hmm. by helping remove barriers so that a human, which businesses are just a collection of people. Mm-hmm. So help those people have more human connections with the people who who love them. So remove maybe the the barrier of, I don't know a fun way to say this, but help, you know, with that kind of inspiration or the cadence of, Hey, haven't sent something to this age group in a while. Do you want to, but bubbling up, helping you, which is, it was always been about whether it was the personal or the business side, following through on your intentions uh, that you already had, not creating ones you, you wouldn't have. So an example, one of our businesses gave is we would never say, um, you know, you bought this expensive champagne last year for your wife's birthday. Do you want to buy this even more expensive champagne now? 
wouldn't do that. Instead, it might be like, hey, we see that you're coming back for your wife's birthday again this year. Would you like to have her favorite champagne on ice ready to go? Mm. That type of thing. But helping Mm -hmm. you as a human always have the choice. It's also information that you've given. We won't scrape from external sources um, and help the brands then just follow through on intentions we know that they already have. That's very cool. And one of the things I was just thinking about as you talked about a brand being a collection of people. We talk a lot about culture on this podcast and I want to I want to get there with the culture you're creating with your team, but yeah. when you think about the personality of a brand and now you've shifted your your platform to be, you know, brand to to you know, the more the business to consumer, right? Uh, instead of person to person, it's more you're representing some brands. Um, do you think that there's the capacity for your technology to actually emulate a brand as if it's a person, you know, like to say, like, as a group of people say, as a culture, we want to have this, this and this, or as a brand, our identity is this, this and this. And then as, as people engage with your service, that it's almost like that brand has become personified based off of the characteristics that the, you know, the company would, would, would choose for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, it, that is what it does now, even mm. where, but in a positive way, and that it's helping to um, encapsulate your authentic voice. So it's not, uh, you know, automating and one new marketing voice for all brands, but how do we do the offbeat quirkiness of, you know, the, the local pillar of community, uh, like bookshop or brewery or club or aquarium or museum, they all have their own tone of voice. Mm. And so our platform really takes a lot of care. And that's where a lot of the learning can come in to help um, bubble up ideas that would be right for that brand. We don't do natural language generation where we're not crafting it in your voice and acting on your behalf. What we'll do instead is help come up with a tone and a template and an idea that's right for you and your audience that then you as the brand can help, you know, shift and make sure is, is what you wanted to send in the first place or would, would encapsulate that. But certainly we're learning to do that and, and helping then in my mind, that helps the brands actually amplify their own voice and offbeat personality or whatever it is that they have uh, versus if they're overwhelmed and they're just, you know, clicking templates that um, aren't actually in their voice. And that I think would do a disservice to, uh, you know, brands and the, the customers who love what they represent. Sure. And I, and I think a lot of the examples that you've given that I've seen on your site are are very kind of marketing focused. They're, they're like, they're, they're the positive, the fun, you know, like that, like you just gave the example yeah. about the champagne. Is there, a, is there an opportunity with this technology to also assist in kind of crisis communication or, mm. um, you know, making sure that if there's conflict that it's resolved in a better way? Yeah, absolutely. We call it that there's also the, it sort of becomes a heartline to the brand uh, Mm. where, I mean, it's a hotline, if you will, it's like concierge, you can write back and it will go into an organized inbox, it flags it, and then someone can write back right away. Um, That happens a lot actually now. And so we see that happening where, yes, we focus on these sort of novel activities and things to send to prompt an interaction, but a conversation doesn't have to always be prompted. Sometimes it prompts an entirely different train of thought. And so the system honors that, honors those different dynamics. Um, And whether it's, you know, negative, positive, whatever the sentiment is, it is that that back and forth that we're enabling. Very cool. How old is Pluto? We are about two and a half years old. (laughs) Okay, so you're still very young. Where do you see your business in the next five to 10 years after you've had some time to to establish yourself and grow up? Where's where's your technology heading? (laughs) 
Yeah. We were talking about this the other day, actually, in one of our, our team, sort of, I mentioned those monthly sci-fi nights that we do, but we really want to become the number one place for brand relationships and redefining mm-hmm. how brands and customers interact and just um, how do you humanize and bring that one-to-one sense of uh, belonging to, to scale? Um, part of that actually is that everything that we build is we want it to be bringing delight to the to the people who are using it, like our marketing manager who, who touch the platform, who engage with us, engage with their customers, um, and rethinking like even the data analytics. How do you make that a fun thing to get to experience? How do you make the entire, um, I mean, any kind of technology you're spending your time on, that's your time on this planet. So we want to honor that and make it hopefully rewarding in a process of itself. Hmm, very cool. I'm excited to see it get there. Um, are you, uh, you've talked about your sci-fi nights uh, and you've got a team, is it 25? How, how big is your team? Yeah, we're about eight. Oh, eight. So good. So this is even more relevant then. So startup culture. Yep. You grew your Google team to 25. That's where I got the number. Uh, Tell me about what it's like working at Pluto. And with you kind of steering that ship, what are you doing to kind of create a great place to work for your team? Yeah, it's uh, something we take really seriously is just how do you, we have this value called delight and it's that the journey should matter just as, or should be just as rewarding as the achievement. Mm -hmm. So we have this quality that we even hire for. We called it uh, Zoink you will. So it's sort of um, how do you make sure that you're always uh, same as what we do with our brands, but even with each other, how do you embrace and celebrate your own eccentricities of mind and um, have that uh, sort of just like fun along the way and uh, bring out everybody's different perspectives on the team. So we do a lot of things. I call them team dates or just team rituals. We do um, like Fridays, we always do like a fun quiz uh, before our retros, which might be Anything from like, I don't know, what do your scrambled eggs say about you to what's your spirit animal to what did you want to be when you grew up when you were little to to more fun type of experiences. Uh, we did this like sangria and drag queen night the other week on with uh, just doing different experiences together, different, um, you know, we're, we're spending our life and time together. So trying to make it fun. Uh, but we do a lot of little elements of um just different rituals. Like every time somebody joins, they get a kazoo, which I can talk a little bit about later. Um, and just this welcoming to the team band. So we do a lot of different uh, things to just keep us connected, familiar with each other and just fun along the way. Since ultimately this is how we're spending our time on this you know, planet. Sure. The big question right now is how important is it for us to be together in person as we mm-hmm. come out of the pandemic, hopefully, um, and start to think about getting back together yeah. I know that on the technology space, especially, there's a lot of value to being able to source talent from any geography. But yeah. you've mentioned a number of things that seem to me like they might be easier to do when you're together in a group. Right. So from your perspective, what does the future of wor- working lo- look like as far as remote versus in person? Yeah, I, I think it really depends on the team, to be honest, not to have a cop out answer. But um, I think that there's definitely an element to in person, like the team dates I mentioned that we used to do in person together. You can replicate those online. So to me, it's more about the culture and the values you're living, less about the in person or not. Um, mm-hmm. But how are you making people feel valued, feel seen, respecting their privacy and time versus autonomy? So I think that that really depends on the personalities of the team, the nature of the business. For us, uh, we work really well remotely. We also, um, I could see us like getting together to, to make sure that we have time to have, we are, we're all over now. And I think that having that autonomy over your time matters as long as we're able to keep these sort of, um, sort of like moving as a pack together, uh, mm-hmm. which we, we've, we've done virtually for a while now. Very cool. 
Um, I, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you that are a little bit more personally directed, but I do okay. want to hear the kazoo, the kazoo story before we move off of Pluto. Well, have you ever tried to play a kazoo? Uh, unsuccessfully, I think maybe, or maybe, <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that like the little, the little tiny plastic thing that makes weird noises? It, it is. And it's actually, it's, we always record it because it seems like such a benign, silly little instrument, but it's actually kind of hard to figure out how to play. Um, so we ever have everybody, we get them a kazoo, they have to try to play it. And you'd be surprised the creative ways people think to play this instrument. Um, and then it's always a teaching moment. And then we all pull out our kazoos and play a little song together. Um, That's funny. We, yeah. <laughs> Um, when we did, when we were in person, actually, then we, I booked a recording studio and we all went, played our kazoos and like played random. None of us really play that many instruments. We play instruments and they nicely produce the song into this kind of like coherent ish rhythm. Um, and so, yeah, we, we always have like the rhythm of our team documented when people join. Well, maybe, uh, you need to put together the band and, and do a kazoo, uh, kazoo music video and post that on LinkedIn. I'd love to see that. <laughs> that might be uh, our holiday card this year. Thank you. That, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, this is a little bit random, but yeah. where did the name Pluto come from? Oh, uh, do you know what Pluto the planet looks like? Most people don't. From, okay. from, from, from charts, it's small. Is it still a planet? It's <laughs> I can't remember its status. It's the most beloved dwarf planet, uh, okay. but actually most people don't realize this. Half of Pluto is actually in the shape of a heart. So we like oh. to say that Pluto is far away, but has a lot of love and bring you back into orbit. Oh, that's very cool. I like that a lot. <laughs> oh, well, let me let me switch gears a tiny bit. Um, we've heard some really great advice. Uh, love your story. <laughs> but you. for those people listening that might say, hey, I have, you know, barely I haven't achieved even a fraction of the success the chain has achieved oh. at this point in my life. What do you say to those people? Because I think most people naturally want to grow and learn and improve. But I also think sometimes when you look at, I mean, I also know that there's a lot of self doubt and the imposter yeah. syndrome. And you know, like I've even talking to a lot of different leaders on this show, I've heard time and time again that people that have achieved great success have also had those doubts. So what would you say yeah. to somebody that like to kind of maybe motivate them to take a chance or to uh, really pursue the next level in their in their life or their career? Yeah, somebody once told me, actually, um, when I was at Google, they said, uh, try to think of the world not as a bunch of obstacles to overcome, but as a place to make things happen. And that everybody has the innate capacity to do so. I think um, one thing is surrounding yourself with other people that, uh, whether it's a peer group, that's been a huge resource actually for me in, in this, of just knowing that it's okay to feel ups and downs. It's okay to doubt yourself. Everybody does, but just showing up, continuing to try, continuing to push, and then reaching out for help and learning is, is okay. But everybody has the capacity. You just, uh, it's more about the proactivity of taking a chance and not being mm -hmm. afraid to look silly. Um, if, what is the, the quote by Dr. Seuss where it's like, uh, those um, say what you want because those who mind won't matter and those who matter won't mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's great. Well, and how important is it that you know where you're headed. I mean, you you spoke to having a kind of a vision for maybe or having an experience early on that has kind of become relevant now. But you've also yeah. gone and done a lot of different things and you've tried a lot of different things. Is that is that important? I mean, like, hey, how important is it to know I know what I want to do right now and I'm going to set a goal and I'm going to get it? Or is it more that you I, I love your value of saying enjoy the journey not so much just trying to get to the destination at all costs. 
Yeah. I think um, for me, it's always been, I, I didn't always have an exact, like I remember when I went to business school, there was a, a guy next to me who's like, he knew the exact name of the man with the title. He's going to take his job one day. Like he was so specific. And I remember it, when um, I had to answer that, I was sitting next to him. I drew like a picture of the sun because I didn't know exactly always what I wanted to be. I just knew how I wanted to feel and how I wanted to make others feel. So I think everyone's a little different for me. It's okay to not know exactly. It has to be this title or this role or this area. It's more, what are the values that I hope to bring to the world? What do I think I'm uniquely capable to, to bring and bear um, and following that. Um, so like the interest from uh, in memory and in social relationships always stuck with me, but the form was malleable. Same mm-hmm. with our business, the, the how do you deepen sustain relationships can take the form personally or the form with businesses. It's just being open to the form, but knowing what you stand for and what brings you joy and what you think you can contribute to the world. So such great advice. It has, you mentioned peer groups being extremely valuable. Are, has there been any other resources that you found really, um, really useful in your career growth? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, just to kind of like double tap on the peer group things, I really think that's important. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to I think what I mean by that is having a network of, I mean, friends and family can be very, you know, warm listeners, but that's different than finding people that are in your role and you can have, uh, you know, the, you can talk about the 5% of things you don't talk about anywhere else. I think that's really important. So whether that's a formalized, you know, like right now, I mean, a lot of like founders from MIT groups, like other female founders in tech or Boston, uh, Boston CEO groups locally, or just when I was in industry, my, um, you know, other people doing my role in other companies, just having like a wine and wine, you know, wine and WHI any night, <laughs> but just being able to find groups that can, um, sort of empathize with exactly what you're going through, not just listen and also maybe give you an actionable, well, here's what I did or how I handled that. I think that's really important to, to find and cultivate and have, that's certainly been a huge boost to me. Very cool. You talked a lot. We've talked about mentors and the, and the, and some of the really influential people that have helped shape your career as you've observed other leaders, have you noticed any characteristics that many of them share? Yes. I think having um, the ability to always uh, maintain perspective and bring mm. that, um, a team will rightly so get can get really lost in the weeds of firefighting day to day. And I think that the leaders I've, I've really admired and hope to, to try to become as well would, are able to bring back a sense of context of like, does this, what is you know, especially in a startup, everything's a fire, but is it really like what, what is actually the most important use of our time? What does this mean for what we're all here, what we're trying to do? And when I say bringing perspective, it's not just like dictating your own, it's also being able to bring out perspectives from others. So, mm-hmm. you know, really different perspectives from other mentors or other groups or, or people on your team um, and bringing that to bear constantly. So you're always doing a gut check on, are we on track? What are, you know, what, what are we actually really trying to do here with our time and our mind and our resources? Uh, that's I love that advice because it's interesting. Passion is usually a component, right? To success, you've got to. I mean, we talked about it in a couple different forms, but I do love that there also has to be some, some, some component of balance and of yeah. level-headedness and being able yeah. to kind of weather some of the different challenges and obstacles, but also being able to encourage and somehow lead your team to do that. Really, really cool. Uh, How about uh, this is going to be a funny question for you, but it's my final question. If you were if you were retiring today and you were leaving behind some bit of knowledge or wisdom that you've picked up, what would you what would that be? What would you tell maybe your replacement or your team or anybody that's saying, man, 
Shana okay. did a great job. Uh, I, what could I learn from her? Oh, okay. I, it may, the thing that comes to mind immediately is, um, it's a quote that I love to try to live by, by Henry David Thoreau, which is to affect the quality of the day. That is the highest of arts. So mm. whether it's life or a startup, there's a lot of things you can't control. Um, there's a lot of ambiguity or constantly navigating, but you can control the energy you put out into the world, how you make others feel. And at the end of the day, that's we're all in this on this planet in this journey of life at the same time. Hopefully we can cheer each other on through that. If nothing else, I think that would be a good use of our time. Such great advice. Shana, thanks so much. This has been such a fun conversation. I love what you're doing. I, you. I, I know you guys will uh, have an incredible journey ahead and I can't wait to follow you on that journey from afar. Uh, but uh, thanks for being here and for sharing your insights. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to rate our show. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Work Inspired podcast so that you don't miss any of the incredible guests we have planned for upcoming episodes. We'll continue to find the best and brightest minds in business so that you can learn, grow, and succeed, and so that we can all work inspired. Work Inspired is brought to you by BOS, a leader in commercial working environments and a Hayworth best-in-class dealership. Experience our 360 approach and discover the team, tools, and techniques required to navigate the complexity of your next workspace at BOS.com. If you have ideas, feedback, or would like to be featured on our show, please email podcast at BOS.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a Workspace Digital production. If you're interested in launching a podcast at your organization, please email info at workspace.digital for a free consultation.